When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to SpotCast, Season 3, Episode 18, Stardate 98524-MARK46. My name is Timothy and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. We're also joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Mississauga, Ontario. No, that's not right. <laughs> Mississauga, Washington. How's it going? <laughs> uh, pretty good. Um, so this week we're going to be covering uh, Discovery, Season 3, Episode 8, The Sanctuary. But in the meantime, we have some fact-checky kind of things to do, so let's get with the homework. Uh, we were talking last week, I was talking about the Black Calm Badges, which in fact were, Jonathan was correct, they are Section 31, mm. and I've got a link here in the show notes. I, from the people that I went in Discovery, we first started the podcast, I, I bought some, some badges from this company called QMX Online. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily keeping up to date. They've got a whole bunch of different things you can buy, but because they don't have new comm badges, which I thought would be something they would they would start working on, but you can still buy the black uh, badges. You can also buy other badges like uh, Voyager badges and Star Trek badges and, you know, um, Next Generation badges as well. So that's kind of cool. But like I said, I don't know if they're if they're keeping up with production. It's been a few years since I chatted with them. Um, and I just want to point out, just, you know, on episode, uh, season three, episode 16 of our show, two, two episodes ago, that I did correct correctly say i guess it would be tilly would become number one even though it was kind of a we all thought it was a long shot right all right and bonus points for you bonus points for me i know that and a bus ticket would get me downtown oh wait a minute i'm already mm-hmm. downtown um and the last thing was unification which is what we talked about before which is the, the famous you know leonard nimoy uh, patrick stewart crossover crossover universe thing um that uh premiered november 4th 1991 and uh, it was i think next week was or it was two-parter second week was was the week after that on the eleventh, I think, right? Yep. If I do my math correctly, I was anyway, in high, I was in high school, and Jaime was um, in diapers. I was let's see, fourth grade. He's driving ten, his big wheel around, ten years old at that point. <laughs> nice, right? Driving his big wheel. And Tim was uh, old enough to buy cigarettes, alcohol, and pornography. Yeah, I would have been a, a mere thirty-one years old. A mere thirty-one. Yeah, I'm a mere thirty-one. Um, all right, so that was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> so let's head into the headline. And Jonathan's going to take over on the headlines. Yeah, we've had a, a really interesting week. Um, the big news was from today. We got the news. Uh, Warner Brothers is going to release every single one of its 2021 movies on HBO Max the same time it's releasing them into movie theaters. And that is seismic. That is huge news. Um, we're not talking about like run of the mill stuff here. We knew they were doing this with Wonder Woman 1984, but here's some of the lineup 
that we're talking about for next year. We're talking about The Matrix 4, Suicide Squad 2. We're talking about Dune. We're talking about Godzilla vs. Kong. We're talking about, you know, uh, a whole huge lineup of 17 movies, uh, including some really A-list stuff. I believe it's a cavalcade of movies. Yeah, and Space, the new Space Jam, the new LeBron James Space Jam, the new prequel that's coming out for Sopranos. Uh, this is a huge lineup of stuff, and they're going to roll this out over the course of the year on HBO Max. I mean, man, HBO Max just became a must service. That's crazy. Yeah. Jaime, was this so Jaime it? Jaime has no excuses now. Was was this it? Was this the tipping point? Yeah. You know, I'm, I, well, I guess this, let me do some follow up on that's related to, I took your guys' advice. So like we had the free HBO Max on YouTube TV for the holiday weekend. And we watched um, all of Watchmen, the, the, the one season and the undoing. And we watched a few episodes of Succession, which got us interested. So we're, we're like, okay, well, when we get HBO Max again, let's, uh, let's watch that one. And I had said on the previous show, or maybe a couple of episodes ago, that definitely interested in doing Wonder Woman 1984. I know it's not for free because you would be paying like 19 bucks a month for HBO Max, I, I think is the price or, or 14.95, whatever really? it is. Wow, it's steep. Yeah, it, it's like a like a Netflix at that point. And so I'm like, well, I mean, there's other things to watch, right? We have other HBO shows to watch and it's, it's almost like getting the movie for free. So if you then have the entire Warner Brothers theatrical release schedule for 2021 in there, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll be paying for that for a whole bunch of Jerry, months. Don't forget Tom and Jerry, right? And Tom, <laughs> that was one of the ones that I on Twitter had like explicitly excluded from that show, but perhaps not banned from from all shows. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's very compelling, and it's probably good timing because I don't think there's anything else for CBS All Access after Discovery season three ends. So it'd actually be a pretty good time to, to end the six ninety or five ninety nine a month and use some of that to pay towards the HBO Max which I didn't check the release schedule and see, is it literally every month that they will have something and they'll just sort of keep me along as, as uh, CBS All Access did with um, Lower Decks and Discovery and Picard. Um, but you know what? That's not a bad place to be in, right? We've, I've said on this show that your job as a streaming service is to keep me with just enough content that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and subscribe. The first question is, are you going to, is this enough to get you to subscribe? Yes. The second question is, how, how much of a game change is this in, in both of your minds like this is they're saying this is an extraordinary time this is only a one-time thing but people are getting used to what they're getting used to you hear people all the time saying well i don't want to go to work five days a week now i'm used to this what are they going to do to get people back into movie theaters after this kind of convenience yeah, good question yeah i i think it'll be an event for, for theaters you know you you go see uh raiders of the lost ark again because it's an event maybe you see this one movie that like is going to yeah i could watch it on hbo max but it'd be way better to see it in theaters because it's a it's got all the pew pew pews right well i guess that's a question though like since streaming has become so popular over the last few years notwithstanding the pandemic i mean are are people really going to the theaters i mean the three of us are of course right because we're we're movie files and and we're you know we like our big big bug of popcorn and stuff like that and paying you know twelve dollars for it but um <laughs> you know I, I, like i mean like to like i go 
to see movies by myself. Like, I mean, sometimes I see, I saw Gravity by myself because, you know, some people don't like Sandra Bullock that much. It's not Sandra you Bullock. Know, and then, huh? It's not Sandra Bullock. What isn't Gravity? No, it's, that's the, wasn't the reason I didn't go. Oh, oh, it's the other guy. Yeah. yeah the <laughs> other guy. Yeah, yeah. He's only in half of the movie. Well, and, and to be fair, really uh, honestly, more than anything, it was the plot. But anyways, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was like, it blew up real good. That's basically, basically it. Like it was, it was completely implausible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you read anything by uh, or even listen to uh, Chris Hadfield talk, there's no effing way they did any of that stuff. Yeah, because um, you know the, the space station would have just gone flying off into space, right? Yeah, and, and any micro shard of stuff up there would have killed them. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, they they do have they do have things happen, but yeah, it would it would ha- it would be pretty catastrophic based on that movie. Anyway, notwithstanding, you know, Tom Cruise movies. You know, I've seen I went and saw Unforgiven by myself years ago. Mm. Um, you know, just I like I like seeing things in the theater. I like the big big screen, big sound. You know, for a while there, like uh, for I think about five or six years, I went to see a movie every Friday, no matter what, right? Um, you know, and that's how I, I saw such sleeper things like Lock, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and, and Shaun of the Dead and things like that before anybody else did, right? Um, and, you know, but even even still, I went to the, the film festival last year and saw Parasite before anybody else and went, you guys got to see this. You're like, no, no, I don't think so. But anyway, um, it's I think it's, I don't, I think for the masses, you know, if you can get a 50-inch TV at home and set up your home theater with your surround sound, you know, a lot of people's attitude is, I don't need to go to the theater to see stuff, right? So I think this is a, you know, uh, the pandemic has sort of forced the hands of people like Disney and, and HBO to sort of, you know, step it up a bit. You know, because they're they're, gonna, they're not going to get the revenues that they would normally get at theaters. But uh, I don't know. I I kind of get the impression, or it's been my sense that movie going has been on the decline. You know, over the last several years, right? Yeah. Well, especially on the on demand culture, it's it's just another thing. You know, people don't want the inconvenience of having to go out. Even you're right. Not notwithstanding the pandemic, people were oh, you know, do I have to go and do the thing? There's always going to be, you know, especially for our generations, there's going to be people who like that. Experience the same people who like to go to concerts. They like to be among people to have that that shared experience, as well as the big sound, big big screen, the whole nine. But there's a lot of people who are like, you know what? I want it at my fingertips. I want it when I want it. I want it when you know I can not leave the house to do it. And you know whether that has anything to do with the pandemic or not. Well, the other the other side of it too is is I think about this every now and then when I watch a series. Like I I, I was telling Jonathan while you were away there, I mean that I did watch the Watchmen as well, right? Um, you know. Like when you go to see a movie in in the theater and you've got two well depending on the director you have two hours to watch a story like a Dunkirk or something like that or, or you know three hours if it's you know some of these crazy other develop other directors and stuff you know they have to sort of compact all that that like you know the Harry Potter books they have to compact them down into into a movie and and you know there's a whole lot of subplots in the movies that that, that sorry from the books that have been dropped from the movies because of time constraints right but then you turn around and you watch something like Watchmen on TV. Which is like eight episodes, or Mandalorian, you know, where they can stretch it out um, and have very few dead spots in it. Um, you can you can have long running arcs and stuff like that, and and you know, it's not necessarily meant that you binge it, you know, for ten hours or whatever it takes to watch these things. But it's a different kind of storytelling when it when it's like that. And and you know, I don't think you could do a Game of Thrones in the theater, right? Because not to say you couldn't make a Game of Thrones movie, because obviously Downton Abbey proved you can, but or so did Sex. 
to the city. But um, you can, you can, you know, you can really, like, can really, it's a different experience when you get to watch something serialized like that over a long period of time. Even if, even if you only get to watch it every couple of weeks, right, or every week, once a week, kind of thing, right? So I think that's, and that's a different thing. I mean, that that's it's created a whole different media for watching, for for consuming stories, right? Is the fact that you can you can't afford to go see these in the theater, kind of thing, right? Yeah, uh, I I don't know. This is a, and it'll be interesting to see. We've seen, you know, I think we've done a good job uh, so far in our most recent season of this podcast, in in sort of highlighting the progression of these dominoes being knocked over. This is by far the biggest one so far. You know, obviously we've had the the Mulan experiment, Tenet. We've done some different things. I really am curious to see what the competitors do following this move too. You know, this is Warner Brothers basically saying 2021 is a write-off. That is their pro- projection for movie. I don't know if you've heard, but it is a write-off. Well, again, there is reason for optimism based on the fact that there are promising vaccines, but then it'll take time to get them out and everything else. You know, I've read a lot uh, as I'm, I'm a, a pop culture fan, but also very I'm a sports fan, uh, and I just love to read and learn. So I've been reading a lot about what kind of planning the sports leagues are doing around the potential because they're losing buckets full of money, not having fans in the seats, buying concessions, all that stuff. Um, so I've been keeping track of that and their uh, leagues are all prepping for the fact that it would be like the last few months of 2021 would be the, the earliest we could start seeing people back in those in abundance. There might be scatterings, uh, smatterings of fans, but we're really not going to see the the volume of those until later in the year. So Warner Brothers is throwing up its hands and saying, okay, so this is the way that we make HBO Max a must service so people will give us their money for that we get a a lot of attention for this move and you know we have to kind of eat some crap on the fact that you know we're not going to make nearly what we thought we would make in the theater on this next year but we also buy some goodwill and you know maybe if you know Matrix 4 or Suicide Squad 2 or one of these movies is a huge hit on the service then that drives more people back to the theater for the next one right but at the same time it you know it really could be the first of a wave now you know what does disney do they've got their two services they've got disney plus and they've got hulu what do they do with black widow what do they do with the eternals what do they do with shang chi you know what are we going to see from you know james bond was supposed to come out next year it's supposed to be out this year but it's you know moved to next year what's what's going to happen with that one what is going to happen with these other big properties because just going to theaters is is just not a solution and and again that's what we talked about on last episode was the idea that that is the only option available for Wonder Woman for Canada is kind of galling. And now all of these properties are, are destined for HBO Max in yeah, the United States. Yeah, it does raise a question about Canada. Well, right? it or does. And, and unfortunately, this this uh, story broke late this afternoon. So as of this recording, we don't have any kind of uh, information on that. I'm hoping that uh, you know, some intrepid Canadian media reporter will, will dig into it over the next couple of days and we'll be able to talk about it next week. But if it's anything like what we've had established is going to be the pattern for Wonder Woman, like that's not good news for Canadian film fans at all. Right, right, right. All right. Well, let's move off of that. And uh, we've got a couple of side bits this week. So David Prowse, the famous uh, actor who played, physically played Darth Vader in the Star Wars uh, original trilogy, unfortunately passed away this week. Uh, he was a uh, huge human being, apparently six foot six, 
and uh, was, you know, this this sort of towering figure, and he had this very imposing physique, and that was exactly what George Lucas was looking for, and cast this this gentle giant as his uh, as his Darth Vader, but he had apparently, uh, you know, not the right voice, so James Earl Jones provided the voice, since obviously he didn't have to move his his mouth or lips or anything like that. Um, but yeah, again, this is unfortunately this is, is starting to become a little bit uh, sad. We're seeing a whole generation of of actors from Star Wars. Wars, uh, sort of slipping away from us, obviously. Yeah, we're running out of Star Wars. Uh, here. I mean, it's basically, hand, uh, um, yeah, Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford, Mark and, Hamill, uh, and, Mark and Tony Daniels uh, is uh, C-3PO. That's that's pretty much that's what's the left. main characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, guess, mm-hmm. I guess you could say Frank Oz. I mean, you know, he's still yeah. with us, thank goodness. But uh, but yeah, it's starting to get um, well. And Billy D. Williams. All right, well, we'll throw him in there. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's um, it's sad. It's sad that we're losing this generation again. Good life, you know, David Prowse. Obviously, he he leveraged that and it was very popular out in the the you know conventions and signing autographs and stuff like that uh and he made it to 85 so a good long life but uh it's sad really sad yeah he uh i mean of course he was in clockwork or yeah clockwork orange as as the trainer mm-hmm. but um uh and I, I think i mentioned this before that they filmed um uh jabberwocky and uh where was it like no yeah jabberwocky and and star wars, and star wars filmed yeah. on the same time at the same lot so a lot of actors moved back and forth and and of course he played the black knight in in uh, jabberwocky as well so mm-hmm. and that was the michael michael palin was his what do you call the guy who carries the swords his second or whatever oh his um Surf? yeah vassal i don't know what you would, uh, yeah yep so another another loss but uh yeah rest in peace mr prowse thanks for everything yeah uh, I, also, I also was reading that he he also auditioned for um chewbacca yeah and again it would have made sense that too i mean it's funny to think that he was smaller in stature than, than peter, peter mayhew, mayhew. <laughs> it's crazy um and then following this theme uh, and unfortunately another uh another loss this week uh hugh case burn who Mm -hmm. was the star the villain in two mad max movies uh passed away this week he was 73 he was uh toe cutter the bad guy from the original mad max in 1979 and then he came back in 2015 and played immortan joe the main bad guy in fury road and uh so obviously you know uh very popular with the with the uh, you know the director that you know he got recast you know 36 years later but uh yeah he was again a working actor for a long time he was you know he was on farscape he was on all kinds of other things over the years but uh yeah to be the villain in two sort of iconic sci-fi movies like that is uh it's, it's a pretty good legacy hmm, sad day mm-hmm. the other bit of big news we got this week was that a canadian actor uh formerly known as ellen page has uh, come out as transgender and will now prefer to be called Elliot Page and prefer to be called he. So Elliot Page is, uh, is you know, re- released this information over social media and got a lot of support uh, for his decision. Um, this is a pretty milestone event as well. This is the first, I mean, this is an Oscar-nominated actor who has uh, has come out as transgender, and that's a, a huge step forward for uh, people who feel, um, you know, disenfranchised and, and feel, um, you know, persecuted, which is, you know, it's an unfortunate and, and tragic thing that that is happening in that community. Um, but one of the immediate questions I think that a lot of people had was, you know, as um, Vanya, the star of the Umbrella Academy, how does that affect the show going forward as well? Because, you know, uh, Elliot is the star of the show, more or less. Right, and yeah. so, uh, sure enough, the day after this information came out, VanityFair.com has a story saying,
saying that they uh, Netflix was immediately supportive and that Elliot will continue to be the star of Umbrella Academy season three. I'm not sure um, how that's going to work. If Elliot will be comfortable playing roles as male and female, or how that will uh, play out, but uh, or if it will change the way that the season needs to be written to accommodate uh, Elliot's decision. But pretty um, pretty interesting news, and then pretty interesting news that they're going to make this work on Umbrella Academy. Right, right. Well, they may have already started filming, right? Yeah, I, I can't say. I mean, I know they do that here uh, in the in Toronto, but I don't know whether or not it's back in production or where they're at with that right now. Right, right. Um, you know, the second season um, of Umbrella Academy saw Vanya's character um, start exploring a same-sex relationship uh, as a female so a female-female relationship. But um, it'll be interesting to see if this development of Elliot's uh, life will impact the way that they write Fanya's character. What uh, what did you guys uh, think of this? Um, I mean, it's a pretty, again, it's not a not a small thing. This is a, this is a well-known and well-regarded actor. Well, I will say it was a surprise. Um, I don't, you know, I don't begrudge him that decision, but it's, it's just odd, you know, star of Juno, star of... Of, you know mm-hmm. a number of things um Inception? Inception. Inception. Yes. Yeah, Inception. Yeah. 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 So that's another big one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's it's odd. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, males have been playing female roles since the Greek theater, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. not unusual for people to play different genders, you know, but uh, if they can carry, if they can pull it off, as it were, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a decision that uh, the actor will make when, you know, and their manager will make when they take roles, right? Yeah. It will be interesting to see the kind of choices that Elliot makes I mean, going Tom forward. Cruise is probably shaking in his boots now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, it will be. It really be will be interesting to see what kind of roles that uh, that he chooses, and then also what's available too. You know, um, you know, as obviously as as open minded as a lot of people are, some people aren't. So I wonder if people will be comfortable um, if there will be any kind of uh, career uh, setbacks because of this decision. I mean, that would be horrible. But you know, there are people in uh, in power who obviously make poor decisions. Well, some of them are in jail now thanks yeah for that yeah you know? no that's great because that would have been a, i'm sure that kind of culture would have been a challenge oh yeah yeah, yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh next up we'll, we'll try and pound through a few fast ones doctor who we had talked about that there was going to be a festive special for the doctor who uh next episode but we didn't know when we now know yeah. it is coming on new year's day so mm. set your pvrs kids we're going to get our next episode and it is going to be centered around the daleks so yeah. it uh, should be really interesting to see what comes of that apparently the they're going to be getting a remake we're going to see the return of john barrowman um and uh yeah it's going to be interesting apparently this is uh the episode where we're going to see uh you know the fate the final fate of a few of the uh trio of companions so yeah mm-hmm. be, be definitely worth tuning in on new year's day yeah the the whovians among the crowd myself included would have known that it was going to be about the daleks for for a number of weeks now right so because mm. they've been hinting at that and talking about it and previewing it so do, do, i know i think we covered this before but like three companions are going away after this season or after, two, after the two show? of them two of them are two leaving them are. okay yeah so we'll uh we'll see how it plays forward there was a uh rumor going around so take it with a grain of salt there was a rumor going around that the next season could focus on a relationship between uh the doctor and um the doctor sorry no the doctor the, and the doctor and the doctor no the doctor uh <laughs> played by jody whitaker and right. um uh, Mandeep Gill's character, 
character um oh god what's her, what's her character's name yaz yaz yasmin oh hmm. again no confirmation nobody's talking about it but that's it's been going around in the uh the sci-fi blogosphere interesting mm-hmm. brains will explode i'm sure mm-hmm. um some unfortunate news on this one the uh utopia the series that we had talked about in previous episodes that is a amazon prime series amazon prime has canceled it they are not going to pursue a second season so we had spoken about the fact that it really didn't have a satisfying season one ending it really just sort of built towards a come back next time for more so you know and and it was kind of an up and down series it was interesting concept but a little uneven so i guess the numbers just don't bear it out so it's uh, it, yeah, it had no a more. great great beginning you know the first four concepts great really the concept is, yeah. is exceptional the execution was a little all over the place yeah it kind of it kind of fizzled out in the last episode so yeah i think you and i both talked about that yeah so c'est la vie unfortunately sci-fi is a tough sell sometimes but uh mm-hmm. yeah it's gone the good folks at trauma are rebooting toxic avenger and mm-hmm. beyond that like we don't have a dumpster fire already what? beyond that toxie is going to be played by peter dinklage of game of thrones Tyrion lannister right. himself um i'm not a huge b movie horror fan but i have seen the toxic avenger it is you know pretty completely nonsensical the trauma guys come to fan expo here in in toronto every year or not every year but have come many times and uh and they're always lots of fun they're they're really into it it'll be interesting apparently it's going to be they say it's going to be a la deadpool very sort of um aware breaking the fourth wall sort of uh, satire of itself kind of piece and dinklage is an amazing actor so maybe it'll be better than it sounds but it sounds kind of weird right i may toxic avenger I'm trying to remember if I've actually seen, I've definitely seen the bits and pieces. I think I'm more familiar with the made for kids cartoon, oh, Toxic cartoon, Crusaders, yeah. which had yeah. more than just the Toxic Avenger. It had a whole bunch of people who had been uh, disfigured in some way by uh, Toxic Ooze, Toxic Waste. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, maybe I should see if the streaming service somewhere has uh, Toxic <laughs> Avenger so I can catch up and, and compare. Coming 2021 right. to HBO Max, Toxic yeah. Avenger. <laughs> but isn't isn't the whole toxic um you know isn't that sort of a 70s and 80s sort of thing you know oh yeah yeah the idea you know, was like, that the, he he was supposed to be uh a nerd he you know some some bullies basically throw him into a, a they have bat full of toxic waste and he emerges as this disfigured but now herculean uh character who you know gets his revenge with you know a mop in hand it's right. it's pretty <laughs> cheeseball cleans up town yeah it's, it's pretty cheeseball the original they've done sequels over the years and, and different iterations including the one Jaime mentioned but um, it'll be interesting to see if they you know if they're trying to take this more seriously or not more seriously but also just putting some heft behind it again Dinklage is great I mean I'd watch him do almost anything so that buys me some goodwill there but I, I don't know yeah okay even Elf oh he's funny in Elf come on <laughs> he's the, he, he plays the straight guy but he's so he's so yeah. funny yeah. alright this next story I don't know I can't, can't take it it's a never ending thing tim as as long <laughs> as there are animated movies within disney's grasp it has learned that the you know the the, the people they're hungry hungry for live action remakes uh, and in this case apparently peter pan and pinocchio i was not aware those were even being remade uh, may skip theaters in favor of streaming again very similar on theme to things we've heard about things just saying all right just put it on streaming and we'll figure out how to make our money there so the reason why i i'd say that i have 
have trouble with this one is have you ever heard of an actress named mary martin not ringing a bell no no she you played, haven't played peter pan she on stage peter pan right? on stage before the animated show became um, before the disney made a movie out of peter pan peter pan was a, was a stage mm. play originally with you know people mm-hmm. flying on wires right so yeah it's kind of it's kind of odd in fact you know the reason why i say i know this is because as a kid we had the peter pan soundtrack album at home and we used to listen to it and i was always surprised but why is mary martin playing the role of peter pan i couldn't get my head wrapped around that right and it turned out yeah. we had the soundtrack from the stage play not from the cartoon the disney cartoon so yeah um and actually they, yeah they did well the hook is sort of a re- live action remake too right of peter pan with robin yeah. williams and, and there's been yeah, a few over yeah, the years yeah. different different takes on that but this one i think is going to sort of be truer to the peter pan of right. disney ilk which people are so well i think these stories were about. actually pre-disney like pinocchio is is an italian fairy tale right oh, of so, course yeah yeah of course they well they they've they've ad- adapted these sort of timeless classics over the years of yeah. cinderella obviously all those mm-hmm. different ones but and some of them are originals yeah. of course yeah but yeah it's uh so so these are gonna possibly go to disney plus two okay. seems like it or disney plus 18 <laughs> 18 plus, yes, 18 plus. Yeah. well now those ones i would watch <laughs> i would watch the 18 plus versions right. cool. it's not just his nose that grows right. or it is his nose that grows <laughs> Nose, nose. My goodness. Uh, another quick one for me. Uh, the CW is, of course, now the home of so much DC Comics property. Um, we know that we're getting some new series. We're getting, obviously, um, uh, the new Lois and Clark or, or Superman and, and Lois Lane series. But we're losing one, too. The uh, We knew that Supergirl was going off the air after this next season. And now we know Black Lightning is going off the, ser- off the air after season four. Um, Where is Black Lightning seen un- now? CW. Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. It, and you can watch it here in Canada. It's available on Netflix. Okay, so right. it's, uh, I think it's two days after it airs in the United States on CW. It airs in Canada on Netflix. Okay. Uh, I watched some of the first season, but didn't keep up with it. Uh, it had always sort of intended to sort of binge my way through the rest. It's unclear from this story if it's a sort of outright cancellation or just sort of a, a you know, it's time for the series to, to end. Although, given the length of time that some of the other series have run only four seasons seems like it's more in that sort of not doing as well cancellation kind of realm but uh i mean did you get into black lightning i didn't really get into it i, I watched uh probably half of the first season and then it just wasn't clicking with me and for reasons that escaped me i i didn't have it stick to my um my rotation um so now that it's ending maybe it's uh, it's something i can watch the entire series um four seasons is, is kind of manageable i don't think i could get into um flash or arrow because it's just too many seasons for me to watch given how many other things there are whereas you know four four yeah, seasons you know you sneak one in you know a couple times a week when you're watching you know eating lunch or something that that's manageable you'll finish before the 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 end of time well and especially because it is a it is a pseudo drama so i mean we're talking 44 or 45 minutes an episode too it's not like it's a sitcom where you can plow through right, them right is it what is it one of the defenders uh no no that was the the netflix marvel stuff this is a dc okay. property no but he was in the big crossover thing crisis yeah. on infinite earths Arrowverse thing that they did they brought him on board and brought him into the, the sort of pseudo justice league thing that they started through that so he was he was a part of that crossover and it seemed like they were sort of setting the table for him to be a more of an active member of the superhero community but um, maybe not right right okay and we covered off um a couple of 
weeks ago that in PlayStation 4 and 5, you could get Apple the Apple TV app. Um, and so it turns out that uh, the Xbox is not to be left alone. The Xbox Wire, is that the new, what's the new system called? Um, not that it matters. Series X. Series, Series X, yeah. Series X, yes. Okay. So it's uh, on launch, uh, which is probably a launch by now, but based on how old this story is, um, uh, is going to have the Apple TV app. So you'll probably watch your Mythic Quest and your Ted Lasso and your For All Mankind for what it's worth, as well as things like Disney Plus, Netflix, Hulu, Spotify. Those are all coming to, and HBO Max. Hey, look at that. Uh, they're also coming to, um, to the, the platform as well. So Yeah, it seems like they're centering the same way that PlayStation did. They're sort of centering themselves yes. as this sort of one-stop, all-in-one box that sort of covers off all your home entertainment needs. Yeah. Although with a smart TV nowadays, do you need that? Change it, right? What's that? Sorry? Do, and all you need now is your controller to, to navigate the menu. Yeah, pretty much. Do you... Um, there's so many apps that are available straight through your TV now, though. I don't know. Like, what what do you guys use for your devices to have all your services? Like, I just have them all programmed into my television now. I don't even I don't even need a, yeah. a device. So I use my Apple TV um, for a lot... Of, well, I stream a lot of things. Like, if I'm watching something on my phone, I'll stream it to the TV. Mm. You know, if I'm watching a concert or something like that on my phone... From Facebook or whatever, or Vimeo, I'll scream it to the TV. Um, to, app, to the Apple TV, I mean. Um, I do have Netflix and uh, something else, Amazon Prime on my television itself, mm-hmm. right? So so I'd use the Samsung uh, app for that. But um, yeah, and it's it's funny because, like, I, you know, I don't know, it's this weird thing with Netflix. I can't seem to you get the Netflix app on my Apple TV to work. I can't log into it, mm. but I can log in on the, on the TV. So I, 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 I get a variety of things. If I, and like, like I said before, if I had, if if the account is set up on the Apple TV, um, it seems to show you know whatever is available, like Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and whatever come up on the Apple TV menu because the apps are also logged in on the on the Apple TV itself, right? Mm. So, so I use I use a mix of things. You know, I watch cable TV a lot. I watch you know when I'm when I'm when I want, don't want to pay attention to TV, I'll, I'll put it on cable. But if I want to focus or whatever, I'll I'll, uh, I'll watch on Prime or whatever. But yeah. I may. How about you? I use a Roku. For dominantly and now that it has airplay 2 support i think i can get around the uh the silliness that comes up from time to time like i think hbo max is not available natively on the roku because roku and hbo are fighting over who gets the cuts of the monies but with airplay that shouldn't matter because i believe the app is available for ios so i'll just stream it from my phone or my ipad or something right Mm. Right. well good on them for trying anyways i'm sure there's some people out there that's valuable to have all that one spot but I don't know. Feels like nowadays you don't you don't need to have a hub device the way you did five years no, ago. Definitely not. Yeah, and I think that's why Quibi, amongst many things, uh, like you know, a lack of good content, failed. In that you kind of need to launch on every platform mm-hmm. nowadays, so that people don't have to. Oh man, I really wish I could watch this, but I can't because it's not available on my device. Like, well, it should be on your device. If what you've got is a is a only a smart TV, cool. It should work on that. If what you've got is Oh, I've just got this PlayStation or Xbox. Cool. It should work on. The, it should work on like like your dang toaster at this point, right? Your <laughs> your Samsung smart uh, smart fridge should be able to stream this stuff. Because why not? Yeah, yeah. true. Cool. All right. Uh, last thing this week, just a quick one: The Expanse 
uh that's we still on tv it, well it is yes the expanse uh, is coming back for its fifth season on december 16th on amazon prime and they also announced that the sixth season has been uh greenlit they're going to do a sixth season and that will be oh, the I final see, so season. we're looking for five and six okay cool yeah so five is going to air starting in in a couple of weeks and then after that they're going to work on a six and six will be the end so for people who are looking for closure people who might be listening to this podcast it's going to get some closure which is nice it's always nice it's far better to do that than what we're having like we just talked about utopia right where you're sort of like and then what happens or dark matter but uh or dark matter exactly right yeah and them's the headlines well this is the exciting part of the show ladies and gentlemen where we start talking and dissecting discovery season three episode eight the sanctuary and jonathan is going to do no sorry jaime's doing no 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 that was that was last time that was was the thanksgiving day recap cap uh, <laughs> you had the canadian in this yeah. case we've got the uh the american picking up uh the baton here so the sanctuary we roll into this one did you mention it was directed by jonathan frakes it's here in the notes i was going to but then i thought i didn't why would i spoil it for you <laughs> i wasn't going to mention it because i didn't know that fact but it, it kind of makes sense it kind of makes sense given some of the the cinematography that happens it's, it's very freaksian uh so what do we got so we've got uh Giorgio, uh talking to culber and uh very much not happy to be there talking to uh to our our uh, fair doctor and she says that, oh by the way that uh you know in, in her in her place uh the emperor's personal physicians are buried with them when they die very, very similar to like uh, egyptian pharaohs mm. having their uh, their pets buried with them but presumably for the and, mirror universe and doctors, like, yeah yeah presumably this is to like have them uh have their secrets die with them sort of thing you know well and it's also to make sure that they do a good job of trying to keep their they don't they won't take a bribe to you know let their patient die or something right yeah 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 that, that definitely totally makes sense because it, it would be easy to slip the doctor you know a, a few thousand credits and say you know if when he dies you can take over for me or she dies you can take over for, for, for me it's a lot harder to do that when they say hey if that person dies you're going with them yeah 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 so it, it incentivizes loyalty uh, for a very you know long chain of reasons um and, and culper is like you know how long have these blackouts been happening and uh, apparently uh Giorgio will eventually start losing her sense of self that's how disruptive this is to her uh, and, and michael ends up being there uh when culver does a scan which finds an elevated heart rate which is attributed to uh, just her rage uh but you know maybe not maybe, she, maybe she's got uh, issues there and we end up with michael and uh, book chatting in the hallway uh he gives us sort of the the, the reason for the the main plot today which is that uh, he wants to go home uh, because his his brother has called for him he talks about how when the burn hit their home planet it resided in um, I wrote title changes, but like I think it had affected subspace so much that their like moon or planet or something had shifted, and there were like all these vast environmental problems that occurred. Yep. And so, uh, Osira from the um, boy, I wrote it down. Is it the Emerald Chain? The chain, yeah. Yep, Emerald Chain. Uh, had had come to tell them like, hey, we have a, a fix to save your harvest uh, from these um, these sea locusts, right? Uh, but oh, by the way, they wanted transworms in return. So we, we get the setup here that the Emerald Chain, um, beyond having access to you know dilithium as a way to to get their way about, they've essentially held various planets hostage for like, oh, we have the technology to help you, uh, but you got to give us this thing in return, right? This you got to pay this heavy price. 
So, uh, you know, our, our fateful crew goes and talks to Admiral Vance about this. He's not convinced of the worthiness of this mission, doesn't want to send any of his ships, really doesn't want to allow Discovery to go with its spore drive. And there are uh, political ramifications here, right? The, the Federation isn't well received and anything that happens could be attributed as something that's like backlash for them, right? And Saru eventually convinces Vance, like, oh, well, Discovery can go there as uh, as observers. We're not going to cause any trouble, right? We're just, we're just there to help along. Um, we cut over to uh, back over to Hunhao, which was where Booker was uh, was held captive along with Rin. And uh, nephew Tolor is complaining to his aunt Osira, and uh, she's very much not happy that Tolor has lost Rin the Endorian. Uh, she sends Tolor into the uh, the transworm cage to get mesmerized and munched. Yeah, I said worm food. That's <laughs> definitely uh... definitely worm food. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get a little uh, a little walk and talk with uh, Saru and Tilly walking through the hallway discussing. Uh, different things that are going on uh, including you know where are we with the ongoing matter and apparently this ongoing matter that's of high importance is should he say execute <laughs> hit it or manifest for his uh, you know, his his trademark you know his make it so kind of yeah, thing punch it, you know. yeah yeah um it's an important captainly stuff you gotta you gotta have a really mm-hmm. good cool you know catchphrase yeah i'm i'm unclear as a little side note i had to think about this a little bit i'm not not sure what my catchphrase would be as captain. I I, I settled on get it done, which, which maybe sounds <laughs> a little in. negative. I would have gone get full it. Nike and just gone with do it. Right. <laughs> uh, so Stamets comes and, and says that hey, uh, they have some some interesting details based on the uh, Navar data. Navar being the combined uh, Romulan and, and Vulcan uh, from Unification Three homeworld. Uh, the burn started in I wrote Perubin Nebula. I don't know if I got that right from the subtitles. I didn't pause. Um, uh, yeah, I it right here it was yes the verubin nebula right um and, and so adira pipes in and says this is a, a deliberate signal it's uh, in the audio range that's coming from the nebula it sounds like music and it's the same music that the barzans from um the episode with the uh the seed vault and uh gray hummed you know or played the music depending who we're talking about and and saru just like really feels the music here he's, he's getting into this uh, this edm <laughs> and <laughs> it's it apparently when they they you know they filter out any disturbances and synchronize things all appropriately it sounds like a federation distress signal uh maybe there's a federation ship in there calling for help and uh, Stamets says well you know Adira's good at the algorithm she can she can write something up that uh you know that, that lickety split that can that can analyze this and figure it out and and this is where uh we have Adira say yo by the way it's not she's fast they're fast she doesn't feel like a she prefers they or them so this more neatly aligns given earlier discussions we have with this character or with Elliot Page just more neatly aligns the actor versus the character mm-hmm. um, that has, has come out here but simplifies things a whole lot yeah now we don't have to jump back and forth between the character and the person that helps <laughs> thank you for that writers we appreciate that yeah yeah it's, it's definitely definitely easier and so it's all taken in stride and I think the rest of the episode they all use uh, they when, when mm-hmm. talking about uh, Adira a, a, a beautiful scene further on I'm not going to spoil it, but the beautiful scene further on between Culver and Stamets where they flawlessly use they, them. It's, it's, it's magic. It's like, it's, it's perfect. Right. 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 Uh, so back to a different, different hallway, Michael and book are, are, are walking and talking and she's like, yo, this whole time we were together, how come you never mentioned uh, a brother? And he's like, well, actually I, it's not my blood brother. He's my, my, my 
brother from another mother kind of thing, right? Like that's a, it's a word we used because of how close we were in dealing with, with things on our planet. Um, and we've also got you know, on the bridge, uh, OO and Detmer talking about the, uh, you know, we programmable matter interface mm-hmm. that they, that they have, uh, upgrade for the, the disco and, um, how it's supposed to just change itself to whatever you need, but that Detmer has been getting engineering to tinker with it, to say, look, I, I, I need sail, uh, fail safes. All right. I can't have, I, like, I need a known thing that it's going to do, uh, when the stress comes. Well, yeah, because she had the, the big freeze up in the previous episode, right? Where she started, had the jitters and was afraid that she was going to end up getting people hurt, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Saru says, all right, let's go to black alert and execute, which... <laughs> and everyone looks at him sideways. Yeah, even Nobody after the work... Thing. Yeah, they all, yeah, they just stand there. Even with the, the workshopping by, uh, with, with Tilly, that one that one didn't didn't go so well with the crowd. So the the uh, discovery jumps to Quajan and uh, Jonathan, you'd asked about the, the like, spinning and then flipping down like they had more straightforward shots this time it, it looked like traditional disco going through the spore drive thing is is yeah. this in line with your thoughts for last episode was the pod bay or whatever it's called uh, was the door open again this time I seem to get a lot of people upset on on the Twitterverse. Yeah, it didn't look like it, but I think we were looking at it from top down view when it when it arrived uh, at the planet. We we just sort of right. saw the top view, but uh, yeah, I think it was more sort of the the traditional sort of arrival. I, honestly, um, the more that it occurred to me after we spoke about it last week, the more I thought, you know, we joked about them not going to actually going to Navarre, but that they did the whole ceremony inside the ship, and then you know, they, they it honestly feels like maybe they were just trying to cut some. Corn Corners on the on the effects budget that was their effects budget savings episode so maybe they just did like a really fast jump and didn't do you know the full effect they were trying to save you know save some money for a bigger pew 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 episode later on well like this one yeah yeah maybe yeah this is the old uh is it uh george reeve superman where he would like run jump and the camera would cut and then he's just already horizontal in the yeah. air they don't yeah. show the transition because that costs money <laughs> absolutely it's the flash right the flash you know you just some papers go flying off a desk and he's they cut the camera and he's standing there like oh yeah flash just ran in the room look at him he's tired right <laughs> um so uh when the discovery uh, arrives at quajan they see that uh long-range sensors say that uh, osiris cruiser is coming and it's armed to the teeth so michael and booker have to head to the planet real fast um uh, down for the bridge and everything uh, try try not to cause too much trouble right the, the federation is kind of in a in a very weird spot with uh having their ship there and and michael burnham on planet uh Giorgio goes into sick bay in her uh, in her space pants to to get analyzed see what's going up with her um they, we see all sorts of weird stuff in her uh in her mind's uh mind's eye and uh she just like yells out uh and and, and uh you know it's kind of a, a tense situation oh i'm sorry that i wrote that wrong that's actually i misremembered that's later well forget <laughs> what i just said uh <laughs> my, my actual note here was how she is told like count back from like 100 or 10 or something yeah he's like that's, 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 from 10 yeah he's like that's stupidly like, no point and just falls asleep instantly right it's like <laughs> that's how good the uh the meds are in the future yeah. uh so we get a nice scene with uh adira playing the cello with stamets and uh, we learn that gray's not talking to adira anymore um and that uh, adira isn't able to elegantly handle the different previous hosts that are that are in there um i don't know if i knew that stamets plays the piano i don't know if that had come up before but uh, it reminded me here that he does if, if it has been mm-hmm. mentioned yeah, no, I think he, after um, Colbert died, I think they did at some point uh, have him talking about 
time. Okay. Okay. Uh, different different scene. We've got uh, Rin the Andorian coming in to talk with Saru and Tilly. He's, he's got all sorts of attitude. He wants off the ship. Uh, he definitely has trust issues when it comes to the Federation. Starfleet. Uh, Tilly tells him, by the way, the Viridian. Oh, I misspelled it here. The Viridian is is coming. So <laughs> you, you got to help us out because bad stuff, right? Um, uh, we also learned that the scanners and etc. don't work due to scrambler defenses around the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're not going to be able to just uh, transport in and out super easy. Uh, and these scanner defenses and other defense systems will, will come in play later in the episode. Uh, we see the uh, the beautiful sea locusts, which kind of remind me of the Will-O-Wisps from Brave. Yeah, they, they, they reminded me of uh, Avatar. There's this scene when they are out in the jungle at night and there are these little sort of things floating around like little jellyfish in the in the air. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are reminded here, because uh, it's been quite a few episodes, that uh, Booker is future Aquaman. He can, as an empath, he can, he can talk to uh, these kinds of creatures and... Uh, they're ambushed in the, in the forest. He says, put your hands up. And Michael's like, what? But it's like, oh no, obviously he knows that his people are there. And uh, uh, Booker's brother is like, you brought the Federation with you, Terex? What the heck is going on? He's like, no, I'm going, I, I, I go with Booker now. Right? And uh, this is where we switch over to Giorgio uh, mm-hmm. waking up while she's seeing the bad images going on and her, her, her whole freaky matter face distortion thing is happening as she sees the images. Uh, but she does walk away with a, with a fragment in her hand as she he exits the, the medical bay. This takes us back down to the planet where uh, Kahim, which is the name of the brother, and, and Booker talk about the current situation. Uh, turns out that Osira wants Rin, and it's kind of not in a in a good place to, to turn her down, because as we mentioned before, this is what the Emerald Chain does, right? They, they have you over a barrel. You, you've got to do what they want. Otherwise, they're not going to give you the tech that will save your planet. In this case, the tech that um, deals with the, the sea locusts in some way. Otherwise, there's going to be a huge famine for, for them, uh, for the planet. And we up the ante here where the uh, the Viridian has arrived, scans USS Discovery, allows itself to be scanned as a show of force in a very passive way of like, yeah, check out how many guns we got. Uh, Saru, you know, sends his message to Michael, like, hey, bad things are going to happen here, right? Uh, Osira says hello. She hasn't seen a, a Starfleet vessel in a while. It claims that Rin is a wanted criminal. And Saru's like, we're not aware of anybody who is officially recognized by the Federation who would consider him a criminal. So I I don't, I don't believe you. Uh, Kaim is 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 super mad. He uh, he glows yellow on his face when he's tempted to punch Booker. So we see that he too has the the empath abilities. Uh, this will be important later in the episode. Turns out uh, back on the ship that uh, Rin was apparently on a lifelong quote contract that he broke. Which Saru's like, dude, that's slavery. We talk about <laughs> yeah. lifelong contract. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of uh, Kelpian focused racism here, mm-hmm. and uh, a standoff with a five minute grace period of like, if you don't hand him over within five minutes, you're gonna blow stuff up and kahim the brother of, of booker gets a, a little telephone call from osira she wants booker and whoever he came with right kahim has his doubts but she's like guess what you have a child right you know what's terrible for children when they starve to death from a famine yeah it's some cold stuff yeah it's super dark and she lays on the pressure as the viridian opens fire on the planet and this is not good right she's trying to poke through through the defenses that they have uh, but but booker has a plan Back over on uh, on Discovery, Saru and Tilly ask Rin, why does Osira want him so bad that she would just pelt this planet with torpedoes? Um, I think it's here where he says that he knows about... Um 
uh, her her whole deal, right? She, no, it's, like, later, it's later on. It's actually it later it's, on. That it's, happens? Yeah, okay. it's, at this point, he sort of says he's sort of playing. I don't know, and yeah, it's not till after the crisis is over that he confesses it to Tilly, right? Yeah, I apologize. It's so hard because they cut back and forth. Yeah, it's a lot of cuts so in this episode. I, I did not envy you doing the recap. They cut a lot back and forth. There's so much. Yeah, yeah. So sorry for the accidental spoilers for, for like five <laughs> minutes down the line. Um. In this case, Saru's like, all right, we, we need to get weapons hot. And uh, Mr. Reese, weapons officer, is like, yo, Admiral Vance told us he didn't want weapons to get hot. Like, they, we we can't be shooting here. Um, and he's like, all right, you know, we just want to be prepared, right? Just We're not intentionally going to go shoot, but, like, we can't be caught here with our pants down. Yeah. Uh, switch over to Giorgio, who takes her fragment that she had taken for the sickbay to get analyzed. He's getting some info, and red alert happens. Culber brings the cops. He's <laughs> like... Uh, you know, we we got to deal with this situation, right? We can't have you uh, going off and 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 getting yourself into a situation like Michael almost died because you weren't medically ready the last time. Yeah, and she's pretty blunt about it too. Not that she isn't always blunt, but just sort of says, you know, I'm dying. What does it matter? Right, right. Um, so Rin, uh, the Endorian, speaks up on the weakness that he's aware of for uh, the Viridian. Uh, this is here where Lieutenant Nielsen says, uh, yo, they can't fire upon the ship or it will be seen as a, an attack by the Federation. Right. This is very much not, not a good idea. But Tilly says, well, a non-Federation ship could fire upon them. And with a pilot, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, who would be heavily disciplined for going rogue. Smash got over to Detmer is going rogue to Rin. <laughs> <laughs> they have all the pew pew pews as their their ship attacks the viridian from like hyper close range this reminds me a bit of ds9 where in the mm. mirror universe the defiant is flying super close to um sorry a mirror version of the defiant is flying mm. super close to the mirror version of the negvar uh klingon uh ship and and just so close that they can't effectively fire back right it's not meant to 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 handle somebody so close um and while things are going on with with detmer and Rin uh grudge comes out scares the bejesus out of uh out of Rin he's like what the heck is this like, oh it's fine it's just like a cat he's like is that like a pet what is that what is this <laughs> is it sitting on his lap yeah <laughs> that was a funny yeah scene. I mean who knows right I mean it's 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 space stuff I wouldn't know if some random worm was like oh don't touch that it's heavily poisonous oh really <laughs> just looks like a bird yeah um so she, she like Kaheem wants you back I don't know why I wrote that I apologize because okay, that's what um what they're trying to um yeah because because uh Michael and Book escape right they take off and then Kaheem oh, comes that's after right, them because they, 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 they get dropped by the like five other people or whatever that's yeah. right this is this is in that forest there when they're they're running around on uh, okay yeah right right so so Michael and, and Booker end up fighting Kaheem's uh crew with the uh, sticks and like dart gun crossbow sort of thing yeah very like cool weird, design yeah yeah uh back on uh on on the uh the fighter ship here Detmer has her self-realization moment that she, that she can deal you know even with difficult things it seems like her kind of working her way through her trauma that she had from early in the season mm-hmm. and she decides to go full manual instead of having the ship you know autopilot itself so that that's kind of a, a cool thing so it's not the the, the joystick that we saw in uh, star trek insurrection this is <laughs> kind of more like uh like an htc vive or some other vr sort of thing <laughs> exactly it like yeah. to me. a little yeah. bit more modern there <laughs> yeah uh, eventually back on the planet kaheem uh comes into play he drop kicks booker 
uh, tangles with, with Booker's got a, a, a blade on him, but you know, Michael's got a gun on him. So Michael and Booker get the drop on, on, on Kahim back in space. Uh, Star Wars moves happen where there's like a tiny event or something that is the, uh, the, the weakness and uh, the pew pew pews happen and the Viridian is forced to, to, uh, to stand down because it's, uh, it's in a world of hurt given by this, this attack uh, again for the weakness that, uh, that Rin was, was privy to. And uh, Saru is like the cat who ate the canary. He's like, hey, so looks like you're in some trouble. We we can help you. <laughs> you want? <laughs> right? But... Uh... The uh, you know the Viridian ends up you know piecing out piecing out of there, and Kaim's like with with a pretty scary threat on the on the way out the door, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get you, Gadget. Sort of uh, yeah. next time, Gadget. Next time, sort of. Uh, it will be bad, it. she says. It will be bad. Yeah, yeah. And and down on the planet, having seen the Viridian warp out, uh, Kaim says, "We're gonna starve, my son." Mm-hmm. And and Michael's like, "Wait a minute. What if you guys use your Wonder Twin powers to make the Sea Locust leave?" <laughs> He's like. Well, okay i mean we're not strong enough to do that it'd be really powerful and they say well okay what if we use the power of science to make a more powerful empath play here yeah whatever this technology is that we've never seen before we'll make it stronger yeah i mean it's just like a psychic megaphone is what i would assume it is which you have yeah. on board a ship sure yeah yeah you you make a, a conical shape it's the the, t- the tinfoil hat but instead of covering top in you it's just like configure the deflector array you know no, yeah, it's yeah. like an elizabethan collar on your head <laughs> right just something makes all the beams go out and uh they get the uh shall i execute <laughs> going, going back to that and he's like carry on which is you know kind of kind of neat you know it's very subtle nuanced and uh and you know good things happen there uh, with the aforementioned beam and and their ability to convince the locusts to uh, to leave so that the famine doesn't happen no well done both of you uh medals for everyone <laughs> we go over to the mess hall where where detmer is very happy they've got the you know the basically the bridge crew um they're eating and 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 having some fun about uh all of this stuff and how you know how big detmer's head's getting now that she's getting past this uh, this issue she's had and uh you know poor ridden is just the weird kid in the cafeteria eating alone so until he goes over and, and eats with him and rin says like look i thought the federation was this terrible deceitful thing as i grew up they they you know if you were a bad andorian child they'd threaten you with like we're gonna send you to starfleet summer camp and like well, that doesn't exist <laughs> right it's just like a, a thing um and rin reveal okay here's where rin reveals why okay I, i'd gotten myself all mixed up rin finally does reveal why uh osira and the chain are so interested in getting him and it's because he's the only one who knows that the chain is running out of dilithium which for folks who don't remember from early on they need that dilithium so that the whole courier system can work right you can't bend people over barrels if you don't have some ability to get the materials they need for, for their you know their planet situation to them so the whole system is going to break down um so now uh, not only does Rin know but now Tilly knows this secret and Kahim uh brings his son on board the discovery walking by uh the you know uh Linus who I, I don't think we had mentioned was going through his like shedding his skin phase yeah this will become so gross. important in, yeah this will become important in a couple of minutes uh the brothers have their moment of understanding um which was uh which is good and uh in order to have that moment the private mode of understanding michael's like hey you know let me let me take your son over here and she's like hey little kid would uh would you like to meet linus the the weird lizard guy you noticed you can peel some skin off his face which <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird but like i probably would want to do that as a kid totally 100 yeah. as a kid would have done that 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is where we have the, the nice scene um, with Culber going over to see Stamets in engineering. Uh, Adira's asleep at their desk because they've been uh, trying really hard to write that algorithm to analyze the, the burn signal. Uh, they're, they're saying all sorts of good thing about them, and Adira wakes up and has heard the, the adulation from the adults. <laughs> and uh, yeah, again, uh, r- really well done on this scene. Yeah, it, uh, it is such a quietly important scene. It, just beautifully acted by those two performers like the I was thinking about it as I was watching. I was thinking like, I love how beautifully normal the scene is. It's not, there's no, there's no overemphasis. There's no sort of ridiculous, you know, making a big statement. It, it was just beautifully, elegantly acted by two very, very talented men. I, I, I just, I thought that was such a perfect way to do that. Yeah, I, I think the real, it, well done to the writers too, because I think the real world implication here was that, or context, I should not implication was that i think the actor was struggling with this themselves Mm -hmm. and and i think that's why early episodes it was she her Mm -hmm. and i guess at some point they figured it out and talked with the writers and they included this like okay well let's Mm -hmm. let's make it very straightforward for your character then right Uh, they them then is is totally fine and they kudos to them for being able to write that in without you know ham fisting it in there as as could be done in other situations no like i say it was just it was it was exactly enough it was just perfect and I, I thought about it in the moment too that just I, I love those two I like they're my way one of my favorite couples on TV I love them they're so charming and their love seems so genuine indeed indeed uh final scene of uh, of this episode is uh michael and booker talking about the situation especially because you know this is booker's home and clearly he's got you know some some semblance of family here and he's like now you know this, this whole thing you're you're going into michael uh, basically you know saving the universe one uh, one episode at a time i'm i'm here with you for that i'm here along for the ride you know i i captain it's like no 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 it's, it's one eye uh we're not pirates Right. They didn't say it this time, but I think she had said it uh, uh, earlier when, when he had to put on the, the uniform and, and some mm. other episode to, to fake it. Right. It's one eye, not not eye eye. Only pirates say that. And she, uh, you know, she leaves the ship and very happy that he's going to be sticking around. Yeah. So are we supposed to infer that he is now going to try to become a member of the crew full time? Is that the, the implication? That's kind of the, how I heard it. Yeah. I, I think he's basically Neelix, if, if you can bear <laughs> with me here. Right. So so or Guinan, yeah. He, he's this this uh yeah, I, I went with Neelix as being a little closer because of the, you know, a ship ends up in this place it knows nothing about, right? Very similar to Voyager for for Disco. They've they've moved to the future. Oh, the they, yeah. they know nothing. They've got a local who has their own ship that's in the shuttle bay. Uh granted he doesn't have like a lady that's a different character. In this case it's Michael that he brought back into the fold, but again, very similar to like Kess and Neelix sort of situation, right? And where Neelix was kind of just his own dude, only there because it was convenient, but eventually becomes uh, a valuable member of the crew. I could totally see Booker being uh, Disco's version of Neelix. You know, he can help clue them into, oh, yeah, here's here's the actual, like, this is what the official records say, but this is the actual situation of what's going on here, right? He can still give valuable intelligence to them. Right. Yeah. And cook occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the cafeteria. I mean, interesting episode. Not, not quite as deep or, or convoluted as the last two episodes were um i thought this was pretty straightforward as far as episodes go i mean the pew pew stuff with detmer in the middle or a little bit of action you know kind of thing yeah you know the, you know, the sci-fi budget like you said yeah and it's, it was a nice 
step forward. I, you know, we talked about it in the earlier episodes that there's always a danger in episodic television of sort of, you know, problem one week, whitewash the next week, it's gone. The fact that they've stayed with Detmer as a secondary character, she's, you know, she is sort of on that second tier of characters on the show, but to have continued her issues from beginning to now and then to sort of have this be the catharsis was, I think, a really nice piece of, 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 uh, storytelling and it was also a nice opportunity for that actor to also have a chance to shine and sort of um you know grow the character a little bit and and make her uh more relevant i was i was thinking about jaime's uh joke though when they always you know they focus on a character they're going to get snuffed at the next week i was like oh man i hope they don't kill detmer now because yeah i thought that shit was blowing up for sure i thought for (laughs) sure that shit was blowing oh no she's talking a lot this episode that's uh (laughs) that's not good i had the same concern when uh lieutenant Nelson started speaking roles and she had a couple of good lines in this one. I'm like, oh, shh, be quiet. Stay in the background. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what are the what are the big questions of this one? The one that popped into my mind was, uh, OK, so obviously this one focused on book and there's some good character development. Uh, the George House stuff seems like it's set up for next episode where we're going to get more uh, try and understand exactly what's going on with her. We got another flashback. We heard that the name sand come out again. So we're going to get into that. But I think the sort of quietest part of this episode was more about the mystery of the burn, right? We now know that it did originate from a place. We now know that it is in that nebula. And we know that there's this mysterious signal coming from the nebula that may or may not be a Federation starship. So then that becomes sort of the next puzzle piece. Do you guys have any theories? Because I I might have one. Yeah, I kind of wondered why they didn't just say, well, let's go rescue them like they tend to do, right? So Yeah, I mean, I, I guess because they were sort of out on the road when this all sort of shook out right but yeah i mean it was sort of an interesting or odd setup from the get-go because you know here is you know vance has already given them scolded them for for running off the last time they did this was it just last episode i can't remember two episodes ago two episodes ago and he's like you know you you're you know we can't you're a valuable resource we can't have you running around the you know the the, the universe um you'll do what, what i tell you to do kind of thing and then here we are oh you know let's take this problem to vance and, and discuss, you know, running off to to solve this problem. I thought it was you know, kind of odd that after the whole discussion about, you know, you go where I go, where I tell you to go, you go on the missions I tell you to go on, that they're now, they would go to him with this this sort of, you know, story about Booker and how, how like, why wouldn't they just throw Booker and Detmer and, and burn them into, the, into his ship and have them go, go off and fight this thing? Is it because they couldn't get there fast enough? Is that the idea? They had to use Discovery's board drive? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and it's funny they turn Vance around really fast in this one because he's been a bit of a hard yeah. ass. And this yeah. one, he's like, I'm not risking the spore drive. And then within like 15 seconds, he's like, All right, take the spore drive and go. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like the whole setup was sort of was odd. I mean, you know, having to go to ask Dad if they can borrow the car kind of deal. You know, after he's just told them you're never going to borrow the car for you're grounded for a month. You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was odd sort of setup. I just found that a little little sort of strange that they could just you know go there. Either, either they're going to wander around and do sciencey kind of stuff and just occasionally get into you know into into situations where they got some explaining to do you know but that should be the the like that's kind of how they were before they were just kind of wandering around you know measuring stuff right mm-hmm. and getting involved with emperors and whatever but um here 
they're they're sort of they're sort of you know they're they've been given a desk job at in, in the new federation and uh, like Kirk they occasionally want to jump in and, and run off and solve a problem right so mm-hmm. kind of odd you know so what ship makes sense for it to be at the center of all this if it's a federation ship that may have inadvertently caused all this that Ferengi shuttle from that <laughs> those guys are everywhere huh? those guys are everywhere yeah yeah the so what ship I I have two ideas that that, that could make sense um one is um, the disco itself yeah. through some timey-wiminess, and this is tied into the short trek. Yes, where, Calypso, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where we're, the disco has been abandoned and left in a nebula for mm. like a thousand years. Yep. So this is one of those, again, Doctor Who style timey-wimey, what the heck, how is it? I don't remember you, Doctor. Yeah, I don't remember you either, Doctor. Well, that can't both be true, right? Um, and, and chaos ensues. Mm-hmm. The, the second one was... Um, Jeez, maybe I have this wrong. Um, the the ship that uh, which Lorca am I thinking of? Uh, Prime Lorca was on, right? So so crossing back over from the um, the mirror universe, right? Because we know that they had like swapped, and I I didn't bother to look up to see how they resolved. Uh, if they did, what what Prime Lorca was up to? Because that would also be a, a WTF moment of like, what Lorca? Get that guy! No, 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 that's not the same guy. It's a different <laughs> guy. I don't even know who you people are. You guys have completely forgotten about Harry Mudd. <laughs> I would be yeah. all in if they could do, do that, but I just don't <laughs> think that's the case. Yeah. Well, wasn't he doing, in his short trek, wasn't he doing some sort of weird traveling around? Like, did he find uh, Burnham's, uh, uh, you know, time-traveling suit? Remember, he, remember that episode? He was sort of coming and going and collecting things. Yeah, um, he had, yeah, it was a left field. I was starting off as a joke, but then I was thinking about it. It's like you know, wait a minute. Yeah, that, that could be a fun one too. Um, but, but Jonathan, what, what did you have? Yeah, I, I mean, my mind immediately went to the the Calypso episode because of the nebula, right? Like when they specifically said nebula, I was like, wasn't that wasn't that where Disco was lost and the ship had evolved and you know things had gone awry? So that's immediately where my mind went was, well, is this yeah, is this a different version of the Disco? Is it? alternate universe disco is it you know uh you know they've gone to the even farther flung future and then come back or something to me i was a little um yeah, I was I was not quite sure what to make of that, but the the term nebula when they started talking about the nebula that really sort of tweaked me to like, well, how would that work? How could that work? You're right, Jaime. I think it might be a timey wimey thing, which again makes me a little queasy. But um, I I can't think of what other circumstances would make sense. Like, what else could it be that would be you know like I feel like it needs like it almost feels like a paradox, right? Like it almost feels like well we. Can't came to the future and now we have to figure out a way to stop ourselves from doing whatever it is that caused this thing and therefore we'll actually have fixed the future but i get it it's hard it's hard to determine you know like is is the is this show gonna stay in this time frame forever are they gonna you know like what's the future of this show where do they go from here um it's hard to get a gauge on on you know i I think when we started watching discovery we weren't sure what we were getting ourselves into you know we knew that it was sort of a precursor to uh, you know between enterprise 
Enterprise and the original series. Now it's sort of evolved past that into this far-flung future adventure. You know, who's to say next season it doesn't completely switch gears again and they have to go timey-wimey and they end up, you know, further in the future or into the past or something else happens, right? Yeah. And and if you remember from one or two episodes ago, I said they somehow go to the past uh, with with the disco and um, Giorgio falls out of... (laughs) falls off the ship and ends up back in time for the Section 31 show. Since it wasn't clear if she was going to stick around here for Section 31 or end up back in in her era. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they play that. You know, obviously they don't have to set it in in the same, you know, timeline. It could be, oh, this is what happened to Georgia, you know, while she was with Section 31 before she came aboard the disco and went into the future. But given the sort of advancement of the character this season and, and that they're still sort of paying attention to her and her storyline and it seems like next episode is going to really focus on her and her illness i wonder if that makes sense if you know there's a way that she's going to end up you know hey she's going to die if she stays here we have to find a way to send her back to her own universe or we have to find a way to send her uh back in time to a place where she's not you know all weird and out with her face all distorting and stuff like that but either way as we start sort of creeping you know we're, we're past the halfway point of the season we've sort of you know started to unravel these pieces it feels like that the mystery of the burn hopefully we'll get some resolution this season we still do have uh, a, a few more episodes to go so it's not like it's over with but it'll be interesting to see what that is and what the consequence of it is too because if it comes down to you know the cause of the burn is a federation ship and the federation is the cause of its own downfall then uh, that's an interesting ramification too right yeah i, I think some of the things that came together in this episode is i, I fully expect that um, Michael and Saru can just waltz into Vance's office and just dunk on him and be like, oh, remember this thing you didn't want us to figure out the source of the burn? One, uh, turns out it's a Federation ship in the middle of it, so you think about going and trying to save it. And two, you would have the, by the way, I know from your perspective, oh, the burn was this thing from 100 plus years ago. Why do we even care what happened? Let's just deal with the, the effect. Now they can say, well, actually, part of the effect is the, the various tenuous grip that the emerald chain has that's sort of keeping things not totally civilized because very clearly they're they're taking advantage of people but at least people can get stuff that they need from these criminals and pirates um courier type system what happens when they run out of dilithium and now everybody's cut off and isolated and what happens Mm. there Mm -hmm. right so i i feel like you you have some vindication of michael's obsession with solving the burn here that, that she's more correct in the idea like if we don't solve the problem of the burn, we're never going to have a, a stabilized, reunited federation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, all things being equal, this felt like a glue episode. It, it was about yeah. exposition. It was about getting Book to buy into the Starfleet stuff. It was about more connecting the, the mystery of the burn. It was more about, um, you know, it was more about building, you know, Detmer's resolution of Detmer's storyline. Tilly starting to show her stuff. Siru doing his thing. Like, it just felt like it was a good episode, but it wasn't a substantial one. It was about moving things forward, not about really making a, a huge impression, I think. Yeah, that's true. So it says here on Wikipedia, we have up through episode 13, which will take us to January 7th of 2021. Mm-hmm. I was curious if this is a 
13 or 14 season episode. Looks like it's 13. 13, yeah. Yeah, And no part two for the first episode either. If you look at the titles, they have all the titles for all the episodes, and there's no part two to the season uh, debut, which was a part one. Right, right. Yeah, I I wonder if that ends up being the first episode of of season four that we know that they're going to do. Or the last of season four, right? Maybe it's a bookend of this sort of timeline where they are now. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 true. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yep. So this was season, this is episode eight of of thirteen. So you know we, we still have a ways to go. Five more to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alrighty. Well, let's no, let's move off to our watch list. And uh, Jaime, you're up first. Yeah, one that's been pretty pretty pertinent given what has happened this season in Discovery. This is uh, Steve Shives. I, I, I like a lot of his Star Trek videos, and this one is entitled "Does Star Trek Actually Believe in the Chain of Command?" Right. <laughs> it's kind of a doozy. Right? Yeah. We talk, we've talked about you know uh, admirals going rogue, captains going rogue, uh, people where first officers like Michael Burnham going rogue, and whether somebody like Tilly should fill in on that role. And so I think this is a, a, a fun video. It's it's kind of longer as far as YouTube videos go, twenty five minutes, but uh, <laughs> it's good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's a fair premise. I, I I'm gonna check that one out because I, I think it's well. We've also had generals and stuff like that go rogue too, like in Undiscovered Country and stuff like that, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. Next one brought to you by Will Wheaton. Yeah, I so uh, I think you know the book Ready Player One was a big hit. Came out about ten years ago. Uh, the audio book, as as Tim mentioned, was narrated by uh, or read by Will Wheaton. Will, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Um, and it was good. I I, I thought it was quite enjoyable. Very pop culturey. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the movie was um, Steven Spielberg directed the the film version, which was good but not great. I thought it was certainly yeah. serviceable. Enjoyed it. Um, lots of fan service in there. Lots of, of properties. But then because it it had some scenes in the book that wouldn't have translated well to a big screen environment, some of it yeah. had to change. It seemed to it lose the, it lost the whole sort of challenge of of games. You know, yeah, games in the day like you know figuring out these Easter eggs and figuring out you know how to beat bosses that was sort of underplayed in the movie or not played at all yeah right? and again i guess i understand it from a storytelling point of view it's it's far more interesting to have the big you know i'm i'm driving marty mcfly's delorean and a race well my friend is driving the bigfoot race, truck yeah, exactly. and yeah exactly yeah. like it's it's far sexier to do it that way so i completely understand why you make those choices for a film adaptation but i i think the book was a very satisfying exploration of not just pop culture but also um yeah just sort of the culture of video games and that to bring that all around ready player 2 the sequel by ernest klein is now available so if you want to pick up a copy available on your local bookstores which i highly endorse you uh supporting during this pandemic Mm -hmm. and also if you're so inclined the audiobook version is available uh as well uh i have not by will wheaton is it i haven't i haven't checked out yeah i heard i heard just heard a preview just before we started recording i went and check it out yeah reserve it at my library and yeah yeah, i was gonna ask are you you gonna download that one to the library well no i i've been going to the toronto library to get my audiobooks lately oh i I see see you don't have your audible account anymore i do but i don't i don't pay into it so yeah yeah yeah. but yeah that's uh it's definitely something that's on my to-do list i don't know uh i've got i've got some time off over the holidays i think maybe i'll make an effort to uh put in my earbuds and and listen to uh ready player two i've seen a few initial reviews that were sort of up and down some people liked it some people didn't so i'll, I'll be curious to make my own uh, assessments of that one but yeah ready player two ernest klein definitely worth a, 
worth a check out for sure for sure has this right. sequel been um uh, in development in 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 the writing for quite some time i think he had been i, I don't know that it was in his intention to necessarily do it i think he did something in the interim but uh, yeah this they they announced that he was going to do this like a few years back that it was coming okay so that 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 seems to track because i was like i could have sworn a friend of mine who told me about how much they like ready player one i think before the movie was even mm-hmm. made was excited for the prospect of ready player two and i was like i saw your picture and i was like this book is 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 new <laughs> i was like yeah. how is it new <laughs> yeah uh, but that that, that sort of fills it up yeah. there yeah yeah and I, I, it'll be interesting to see if uh i don't know how successful or if it was successful in the way that they had anticipated or hoped that ready player one was as a film if this will be something that they will want to sequelize as well if this is going to be something that is is you know now a, a franchise or if this is something where you know the movie worked as the movie and and that's the end of the story right right all right well my pick is kind of it's kind of ties into the very first story of the of this episode in that it's a website set up by somebody who has uh put a little uh question and answer uh saying we have a lot of these kind of things on resources on uh, more than just code as our pick uh this is can you watch hbo max and it's uh you know tap here to find out if you can or not and there's it asks you a series of questions like you know the first one is if you got something to watch tv on yes i do and then if you got something you know are you in the united states no i'm not oh sorry i'm out of luck right but jaime could carry on with the by answering yes and then carry on down the the, the choices in terms of like whether or not you get it free with your your current cable or your some other provider or whether you'll have to pay for it or not but just sort of a fun little tool here since uh, hbo max is uh um suddenly a big story today this guy threw up this website to quickly determine whether or not you are in fact able to watch hbo max <laughs> there you go fun times yep yeah I, I, I looked up to see uh hbo max roku channel and as of november 12th or something the answer was no there is no official one but you can use the yeah. airplay from the uh, the ios app to mm. to do that so I'll, I'll i'll do that uh presumably unless they and this be a really uh, rinky dink move unless they remove that from um from the app I, I don't remember if you can opt out of um all of airplay from uh, from an ios app but it would be a really really crappy move if they if hbo were to come out with an app update right before wonder woman comes out <laughs> yeah i mean you think it would be in their interest now that they've gone this route to ramp up all efforts possible to get hbo max as a service on any device that you could possibly put it on as you say i may put it on your toaster i think they want everybody to have it everywhere so that they can <laughs> monetize the heck out of it because it's they're talking about you know the the to- some total of those you know 17 movies or whatever it is is like you know a couple billion dollars in investment as far as your costs sunk already mm-hmm. so i think they want everybody to have this on their smart toaster yep yes sir so i guess that's it for another week uh so hey jonathan if people want to get in touch with you wherever they find you you can find me on twitter and instagram as at jpk news all right and how many people will get in touch with you i'm on twitter as at dev of the hair all right my name is timitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine is where you'll find me so until next time we'll see you in the future bye 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 you've been listening to the spotcast podcast this is john luke picard shut up wesley Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, 
please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. That uh, comedy store show that uh, you put us on to last week, John. Oh yeah, what'd you think of it? It's pretty good. Yeah, I found That's it. Funny I, I found it petered out a little bit. I, I really enjoyed the first three. Yeah, and then the fourth one, I was like, eh, it's okay. And well, the, the fourth one was sort of like within the pandemic too, right? It was sort of yeah. Like, and then the the final episode was the one where they all sort of gather around and are sort of trading stories. That and was then, the fourth one, wasn't it? No, that was the fifth one. I think that was the final oh. one. Mm. But that was the one because the one before that was the weird one with Joe Rogan versus um, Carlos Mencia. Yeah, the whole like. Rogan got kicked out of the club and he wasn't supposed to come back because he pointed out the fact that Mencia was stealing everybody else's jokes. And that was a weird, like, it felt like an important part, but I didn't care that much. And yeah, I, well, it was interesting too, because the, I think I told you that the, the story or the TV show or book or whatever called I'm Dying Up Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the show um, yeah. was written around the same sort of idea, like this, this, uh, this female character who runs this comedy store. Um, and uh, a couple of the actors, a couple of the comedians who were actually in this show are play comedians in in the story, right? Which so it was really weird to sort of see them. But you really are a stand-up comedian, yeah. and it's amazing how many people kind of went through that particular place. Because I, I knew about the improv and I knew about this place, mm-hmm. um, but you know I didn't know this was sort of the proving ground. Because did the improv pay people, or was it, was it sort of a free stand-up thing there too? Or? Yeah, I don't know if that was sort of the standard way of doing things. Uh, Jaime, I don't know if you have a chance to watch it yet, but there's a really interesting part where they talk about how the comedians used to not get paid anything like nobody who worked there really got paid they all used to do it mm-hmm. just for the stage time and for the experience and for the uh, exposure and at a certain point they all go on strike and basically say like we have to start getting paid because all the money was basically being funneled back into the owners of the, the owner of the club and oh she was making a hundred thousand dollars a week right yeah like yeah so they were like okay you you can break some of that off for us and so they literally yeah. went and walked the picket line outside the club and it wasn't like nobody it was like letterman and leno like yeah yeah it was pretty big time at the time yeah yeah and it's it's interesting to see i mean because I, I knew all those people started and it was sort of jimmy walker was sort of the first guy to get a tv show out of it and out of the whole experience and well, then freddie prince know, the whole freddie prince story yeah. and oh freddie prince is tragic i remember freddie prince i used to i used to, i watched every episode of chico chico and the man when it was on you know yeah yeah i guess your, your perspective on this would be you know i think interesting compared to mine i mean mine is obviously i I watched a lot of those 70s shows and reruns when I was a, a kid in the 80s, but I didn't live it the way that you probably had more sort of yeah, n- yeah, knowledge of this whole sort of time, yeah. the whole t- the Tonight Show with the, you know, all the different actors, the comedians and stuff like that. and yeah well so it's funny because you know um like take good times for example right mm. so esther roll was mods um uh mod came out of archie bunker she was archie bunker's sister-in-law right mm-hmm. or no edith she was related to edith and uh so, so that you know um b arthur and and uh, adrian barbeau were sort of the main characters there mm-hmm. and then their uh housekeeper was was esther roll who was the mother on good times so when they spun that off when norman lear spun that 
that off, um, you would have thought that it was sort of the Esther Roll show, and and her husband, I've forgotten his name now. It was John Amos, uh, he, wasn't it? John Amos, yeah, he was quite popular in that as well. well but he'd been Jimmy on Roots, Walker, right? yeah, right. He was on Roots too at that in that same. He era. was on Good Times Before Roots. Oh, but, was he? Yeah, uh, yeah, and then the. Um, but the vehicle was around Jimmy Walker and his his sort of presence, right? Yeah. So he, you know, he became the sort of the he was sort of, I, and I think it was I can't remember if, if Good Times came before Chico and the Man. They were around the same time, mm-hmm. right? Chico and the Man was obviously um, um, Freddie Prinze and and Albert something or other, um, the old man. Anyway, um, you know, and that was sort of a that was the first time you know we saw any kind of Chicano on on television, you know. Mm. Uh, and there was Sanford and Sons was another similar type of show like that too with Fred Fred um, Red Fox right Red Fox yeah um, but yeah it, it was interesting to sort of see that but I was I want to come back to Tom and Jerry which we talked about at the beginning of the show and because I remember um, somebody once asked me and I can't remember if it was you or Xavier asked me why did we watch the Brady Bunch when we were kids or why did we watch shows like Gilligan's Island and it's, and the answer is because there was nothing else on yeah that's what was on yeah right you know so you went, and you kind of watched that and Tom and Jerry was sort of the 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 cheaper version of Looney Tunes. You, yes, you'd watch, you know, Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner and that kind of stuff because that was around the time Roadrunner came into the, into the Looney Tunes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Wally Coyote and all that kind of stuff. And um, and Tom and Jerry was was another. I think Tom and Jerry was on Sunday mornings, um, and it was sort of you know you watch the cat and and they're from like they were movies from or they were like they were shorts, I guess that were shown before yeah before the movies uh, back in the forties movies yeah but in yeah. but in the seventies they were made into like a TV show and you would watch these little you know five ten minute long episodes. Mm-hmm. Right, um, with Monsieur Le Monsieur Le Petit Cat and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so but Tom and Jerry was like a kind of a big deal, right? But I, I, I didn't get the the reference to why they're coming back to. Are they being made into a movie or yeah. something like that for HBO? Mm-hmm. Or? Yeah, and oh, it's uh, uh, it's the mixed CGI live animation like Smurfs or Garfield. No yeah, yeah, which is a very strange choice. Mm-hmm. So they're going to dip uh, dip uh, uh, the cat into red dye or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's funny because the Tom and Jerry was always the one too. Like Tom and Jerry was the inspiration for Itchy and Scratchy on The Simpsons too. Yes, the, yeah, the of idea of like the violence level of those versus the Looney Tunes was like. I mean, Looney Tunes yeah. obviously, you know, Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam used to fire guns at uh, yeah. at or the Barbara Seville. Well, yeah, I mean, there was there was certainly some violent, you know, undertones, obviously reflecting and the violence, times. And violence, yes, mm. lots of violence. But the the Tom and Jerry ones were like a little more over the top like you know they're trying to kill each other with axes and you know like it was i was always sort of you know uh a little more of the extreme version of that and yeah of course that's the inspiration for itchy and scratchy but yeah it, it it's one of those ones when you go back now and you look at it some of it you're like there's no world in which i would show this to a child i i must admit even in the looney tunes ones i i'm a humongous looney tunes fan always have been and um i have all the 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 golden collections the 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 restored versions of all the cartoons there are some of them in there that i was quite happy to share with my children and watch with them and there were some where i was like we're, we're not watching this one because it just does not hold up well the violence level the right. the, the you know the, the nuance is lost on children now you can look at them as sort of time capsules but you know not, a kid's not going to do that and we certainly didn't do that uh yeah they're, they're a little more over the top
top than I remember. Right, right. Fun times. Mm. Yep. My real watch list item is uh, Big Mouth. Season 4 starts tomorrow, so that's how I'm going to spend my weekend. I'm going to go back and watch Season 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, it, they're, again, really, really, like, the easiest show to binge, because it's just... Which, uh, which, uh... Netflix. Netflix, okay. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, actually sat down right since uh, you had a little, uh, a little late start tonight. I sat down and just watched the last episode of the previous season just to remind myself where we were at, mm, but right. uh, I remember it all clicked sort of back in pretty quickly to where we, we left things yeah. off. But I love that show. It's so gross and funny and smart. story arcs too as well? Well, they, it's, no, I, each episode sort of stands alone, but they do a lot of character development. The idea is about, like the whole sort of story is about these these sort of pubescent children who are, you know, moving into their, you know, uh, you know awakenings. And mm-hmm. so from the beginning of the series through till the end of season three, there is a lot of, you know, uh, growth and, you know, what they experience, you know, some of the girls, you know, obviously they, you know, uh, you know, go from being like little girls to having their periods and everything else. The boys, you mm-hmm. know, discover sex and sexuality. There's lots of sort of storylines. They date each other. They stop dating each other. Um, a couple of the kids come out, um, you know, so it's, it does sort of evolve a little bit. One of the kids um, uh, has a really, you know, weird relationship with his couch cushions that sort of goes on for a few episodes. And yeah, but, but that it's just it's so it's so crazy and over the top. But oh, my God, is that show ever funny? It's so funny, especially it's especially funny because like one of the stars is John Mulaney, who is, you know, pretty clean comic and that gets a lot of like mainstream stuff. Mm-hmm. But the stuff they have his character Andrew do on the show is, is filthy and disgusting. Like he spent a good portion of the last episode of season three completely naked, full frontally naked in the cartoon. It's very funny. Mm. Uh, oh, uh, so I, I just finished watching um, The Watchmen. Oh, yeah? How'd you like it? It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's really good, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, And I see why you sort of like, hey, where's the, where's the next season coming from? Because it does kind of end on a possibilities, right? It does. But, uh, I mean, the creator, David Lindelof, basically said, like, that's all I wanted to say. And they don't int- intend to go back to it. So uh, so that's it. But, I mean, they they won, like, a pile of, uh, of Emmy Awards for it. And, Is that the uh, one that Regina King won for yes, recently? Or? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And her husband in it um, is um, uh, he's starting to sort of get some heat as an actor too. I'm trying to remember his name, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but he's quite good, I thought. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's funny because it, it really is sort of it, it's sort of structured around a follow up to The Watchmen, but it really kind of takes on its own thing and sort of becomes its own thing. Uh, again, I didn't want to like it because I don't like the idea of messing with properties like that. But it's so this good. is. Like not canon per se, like it wasn't no, in the books or whatever. No, not at all. And and so for the longest time, uh, Watchmen was just sort of a standalone story. That was it. It was done in 1986. That was it. And then probably 10 years ago, DC sort of broke the seal and um, and decided to have a whole bunch of other creators start working on in that universe. They wrote a whole bunch of prequel series and sequel series and brought the Watchmen into the DC universe in the, in its own way and really kind of mucked about. And I really had a tough time. Time with that, right? right. Um, so and again, I'm, I'm sure they're good. The president, but, right? What's that? The original one had Nixon as president. Yes, the, yeah, that he had held on to the presidency, a la the uh, person who doesn't right. know when to leave. Right. Um, and, the, and then the uh, and the so Robert Redford, the president, is that the Robert Redford we all know and love and mm-hmm. the natural or different dude? No, I think it's supposed to be the same dude. Oh, really? Wow. Cool. Yeah, but yeah, I thought it was really, really well done, and again, very poignant considering the mm-hmm. the political atmosphere in the last year or two. I thought it really uh i mean starts with a hell of a a bang and then just sort of keeps it going from there 
and just so many good performances. I thought, um, I mean, Regina King is a revelation, but um, but I thought um, so well, many I've good supporting a lot of things. I've always been a fan of hers, actually. She's quite good, yeah. And I and I, but I mean, even you know some of the supporting performances, Don Johnson, and um, yeah. I mean, you know. Um, Oh, what's his name? Lewis Gossett. Lewis Gossett. I mean, he's in his 80s now. I mean, he was amazing, I thought. That whole, the whole storyline with him and, you know, being undercover as white to fit in. And oh my God, that was so good. Oh, is that what he was doing? Putting white makeup around his eyes? Yeah, yeah. He was was pretending to be white so that people wouldn't catch on that it was him because they didn't want him to be out there, right? Interesting. Yeah, because I kind of, I didn't quite catch that. I mean, I was, I don't know, wasn't really paying attention, I guess, but, but I did, I noticed when he was taking the makeup off. Off, that there seemed to be a different color around his eyes, and I, and I figured that was what it was, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Really, sort of twisty with the whole. Is it? Is was it around? Done around the time of Black Lives Matter? Or, or it was it before. Sort of... It was before. So again, really prescient in it. Sort of, uh, you know, it just became the perfect encapsulation of the time, right at the right time. Yeah, yeah. I love the I love the sort of twist around uh, around the Don Johnson character when when Regina King says, "Did I did I start this?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The whole paradox, yeah, mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That was cool. And Gene Smart was good at it. Oh, too. you're right. Yeah. I mean, uh, so yeah, I like I like the crossover between the characters. My, of course, I didn't recognize by the names of uh, like I didn't realize that Jeremy Irons' character was the same character, one of the main characters in the first Watchmen, right? Yeah, he's, he's Osmandius. I didn't make right? the connection until until he put the suit on at the very end, right? And again, he was great too. That whole sort of weird storyline of him and the you know wh- where is he and what's he doing and stuff like that, and then it all comes to again. It was just I thought it was really well paced and just you know it was like the perfect amount of everything i didn't feel like it was too long or too short i didn't feel like i was not enough time with a character or too much time it really it, it really was a masterful piece of of uh television i thought it was really really good and uh, uh i think answers um a few kind of interesting things here it's i don't know if you guys wanted to spoil the territory but i ended up thinking oh uh, i haven't had time to really sit and think it out i was like oh i thought it, this was about race for the the theme yeah, of the season, I, and I was I, like, I was expecting something completely different too, based on the trailers and stuff, right? And and it's like that for for quite some way. And then I said, no, actually, at the meta level, it's about legacy, which mm. often racial problems and tensions are part, a uh, very uncomfortable part of legacy. So there, right? Welcome to my TED Talk analysis of <laughs> <laughs> of what of uh, of uh, Watchmen. Well, I was telling Jonathan, I like the uh, I like the sort of paradox that's in the middle of the whole thing, right? With with um uh, why the why I, um, the, what's his name gets killed in the beginning um, oh Don uh, Don Johnson, Johnson yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah, and it's interesting because they do bring him back in this sort of flashback too which is kind of cool right mm. but uh, yeah the whole concept of, of how um, the, one of the main characters lives his life not knowing or, or sort of living his whole life at once kind of thing right mm-hmm. is an interesting interesting sort of storyline to think about right so, whereas you know the rest of the people live a sort of linear lifestyle right yeah yeah I don't know I thought there was some really good twists in there and and again, I think you and I talked about the, the performances were just across the board exceptional, yeah. very, very yeah. well realized. But uh, just, I mean, it was just a murderer's row of really talented people doing really good work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and now I finally understand when I had asked, oh, does it end on a cliffhanger? It it doesn't really end on a cliffhanger. Like the, the sort of final question you might have is more of an interesting philosophical one, like um like at the end of Inception, where yeah. like you know the the main story is done. It's very 
satisfying ending and you just have a, a final shot that's like oh i wonder what happened there and you can sort of argue well we folks. don't really know like what happens right like like it just like as the you know the foot comes down literally we don't know what happens right like they cut to black screen don't they yeah just just like inception where you you don't know what happens in the final shot like 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 right you know half a second after the final shot what what do you think happened yeah 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 but again, it's it's kind of the perfect ending too. Well, do you think like I think you were saying too that that you know they didn't know or we, or the audience didn't know when it was finished if it was really finished. And you said that the you know we talked about it on the show that the creator said he's done, right? But yeah. So is that meant to be like a Sopranos kind of ending where it just ends and you don't know what the actual final resolution is, right? Yeah, I think it's deliberately ambiguous. I think the idea is you're supposed to you can use your imagination and it is open if somebody else and, and it. it so Damon Lindelof is the is the showrunner on that one and, and the visionary behind it. He had said, well, you know, I'm done. That's all I had to say. If somebody else wants to pick it up and run with it, maybe they can pick that story up there and, and go if they want to go somewhere with it. But I'm not. Right. I don't have anything else to say. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it just it, it with the same the same to Tim earlier, Jaime, it's, it just felt like it was just sort of the perfect amount. I didn't I didn't feel like I was wanting more. I didn't feel like I was sort of cheated of anything. I feel like it. it it was paced really well. It just sort of was exactly right. Mm-hmm. right. All right, kids. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Have, have, have a good later. weekend, guys. Have a good one. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.